3: Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian.
3: Hey, it's Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-host today, hardened criminal... Brian Johnson, what's it like on the inside, Brian? I'm
0: glad I didn't get get put in the clink. Got pulled over on the way over here.
3: You got pulled over on the way over here. Probably the slowest I've, I've driven in the last did you, twenty years. Was it a was it a Leon Let size stash in the back of your car?
0: I, I got I got away with a warning, thankfully. But yeah, I don't know. Just what got you? State bad was luck. it a was it a local state cop? trooper? State trooper seventy. And he's like, he was precise, 73. God, yeah. I thought it was a 65. And thankfully, I, I didn't fully accelerate to where I wanted to be at, which is the like, you faster. know, low 80s, definitely. I mean, come on, raise the speed limits. But he was, uh, he was a nice guy. Gave me a warning. You, you got off easy. I was, you can't really complain. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. Maybe he's a listener. But I was like, I know you're going you're gonna to check in on me soon because I am very punctual. When it comes to these podcasts.
3: No, you are. It, when you were 10 minutes late, I'm like, this is weird. Yep,
0: something, something's in this. Is a not,
3: miss. This is not like the Brian Johnson I know. But the Brian Johnson I know also would never have gotten pulled over with a Leon Lett-sized <laughs> stash in the back I'm of his just car.
0: running into bad luck left and right lately. Got, I got good things on the horizon, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, like the scales will balance out, yeah. right? I'm going to go yeah, buy. Like this podcast. I'll go buy some lotto tickets after this. There you
3: go. Last week, we broke down the off-season winners. Mm-hmm. This week, we're doing the losers. These losers. are the guys we think have the opportunity to perform worse than hope because of things that changed in the offseason. These are guys that didn't change teams right. but had their situation change.
0: Resident losers. Resident evil because <laughs> like these bad things happened. And I can can contest. I've been... I'm turning into more and more of a best ball junkie every year. I've been drafting since January. I was drafting (laughs) 2022 during the the 2021 playoffs. And (laughs) all of these guys, their ADP has slid for reasons that we will mention for each since free agency and trading and the draft and all that stuff.
3: Let's start with the quarterbacks. We've got four quarterbacks we think have taken a hit in the offseason beginning with. Patrick Mahomes, for probably obvious reasons, he is still, however, quarterback two going off the board in round three right now.
0: Yeah, uh, obvious reason, really, right? Tyree Mm -hmm. Kill, basically uh, getting traded to Miami. And um, looking back through Mahomes' career, not a a long career by any means, but he's played five games without Tyree Kill. Eight passing touchdowns in those five games. Not great. Not great.
3: Not terrible. I mean, 1.8 per is not terrible.
0: Even worse, Four of those eight touchdowns came in one quarter (laughs) against the Oakland Raiders. Like when the I watched the highlights too, when the the, the dirt was still in the field from baseball season. So it was just kind of a fluky game against an awful Raiders team. Half of those eight touchdowns, one quarter. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean, you, his ADP is probably still two, but I've, I've seen him slide now to QB three, QB four. It's really her. Everyone's taking Josh Allen first. Yep. But now it's kind of like, do you want Mahomes? Or are you going to go with Herbert or uh, even Lamar Jackson? So before it was slam dunk. Mahomes, Mahomes. was number two. Yeah. Some might still even were taking him before Allen. Not the vast minority were, but ever since the Hill trade, people are down on him and for rightful. rightful
3: long I believe Mahomes' value should be higher without Tyreek Hill. Here's why: okay. One, I'm a believer in Sky Moore. And yeah. He won't; he's not Tyreek Hill. No. Nobody's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is a totally special case, but I think Sky Moore can be very effective. Two, they saved 100 million dollars yeah. that they're able to put into other places to help Patrick Mahomes and sustain his career. Offensive line, you know, whatever replacement tight ends, you know, whatever, whatever that case is. I still think Mahomes has got tremendous
0: long-term value. And Justin Ross, he's got the talent. If he's medically clear to you know, carry forth in his career, mm-hmm. arguably not a draft day steal, just a out because he wasn't drafted. Right. If he pans out, yeah, Ross and Ross yeah. and Moore easily could replace Tyreek Tyree Hill. The next quarterback loser is
3: a name that you already mentioned, Lamar Jackson, currently going off the board as quarterback four in round four. At that point, you're paying a premium on him under the assumption that his rather lackluster year last year will, will improve this year, but it's not obvious to see how that's going to happen. Now, he's in the last year of his rookie deal, Brian, and Lamar Jackson does not have a new contract. It's not clear that he will be paid what he wants to be paid or what he thinks he should be paid. Normally a quarterback as good as Lamar Jackson a never even hits the last year of their, of their contract. Right. And then B when they do, they get paid a lot. They get paid like a top five guy. Even if you're not a top five quarterback, Lamar Jackson has one playoff win to his credit uh, to this point. And not that that's the only measuring stick uh, because it's not, um, but it's not clear. He's get that he will get, a new contract, and if, they, if the Ravens underproduce this year, if they go one and out in the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, who knows what his situation might be. But the real key here is the loss of Marquise Brown and, and the fact that the team replaced Marquise Brown with nobody, nobody. Literally nobody. The Ravens have got, I think, the thinnest set of wide receivers in the league. The entire position group, get this, the entire position group on the Ravens has 131 NFL receptions. That's it. 131. Um, That's how many
0: catches Mark Andrews almost had last year, probably. Yeah, <laughs> almost that many by himself. At least he's got him. Season.
3: But- um, I, you know, I will note there is this, though. Improvements to the Ravens' offensive line is huge. Uh, Jackson took a ton of sacks. In fact, I think he was the, he had the highest sack rate in the NFL among all quarterbacks. And they put a first-round pick into center Tyler Linderbaum. They added Kevin Zeitler, a, he was Pro Football Focus's 10th rated guard last year, and they picked up Morgan Moses on the right hand side. And on that same side, they drafted enormous rookie tackle uh, Local guy. Yeah. yeah. I forgot. Why am I for, Daniel? Uh, yeah. Ma'afala. Mountain and, Man. Yeah. Six foot eight. Three hundred sixty pounds. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. The
0: Ravens have drafted a lot of Golden Gophers, starting going way back to Ron Johnson. If you recall, was uh, yeah, drafted yeah, by well, the Baltimore yeah, Ravens. Yeah, good point. But, uh, good point. Uh, Max, Max Williams, Rashad Bateman. There's yeah. been, there's been a bunch. There have been. But a bunch. I'm forgetting some other ones. So
3: um, you know, overall, this is a it's a the the receiver set is so thin here. I it, it to me it really does. Put some pause before I draft Lamar Jackson. Sure, the running is, is great, but I really need him to augment that with better, more consistent passing than he had last year, and he doesn't even have the weapons he had last year. And what
0: doesn't bode well for Jackson, it bodes well for Baltimore uh, from a reality football perspective is uh, that defense is probably going to be one of the better defenses in yeah, the NFL. And so come. when it comes to fantasy, that doesn't usually equate to a lot of, a ton of scoring or the need to score a lot.
3: The next quarterback loser, Ryan Tannehill, currently going off the board as quarterback 21 in the 14th round. It feels like people have already baked in a pretty big drop for Ryan Tannehill.
0: Yeah, and this is another big-name receiver uh, leaving the team, AJ Brown, of course. Um, In his three years with Tennessee, Tannehill has touchdown totals of 22 33-21. Thirty-three, twenty-one. He had that one really good year in 2020 mm-hmm. when he had the 33. A.J. Brown accounted for nearly a third of all those passing scores. And, of course, he's in uh, Philly now. And we can debate who Tennessee's top wide receiver is. Is it rookie Traylon Burks? Is it Robert Woods, who's looked good in OTAs, but still yes. not sure if he's going to be ready to right. go come week one. So the loss of Brown is a downgrade either way. Uh, I'm not saying I'm out, out on Burks or Woods, but um, – Yeah, losing A.J. Brown hurts. And now Tannehill, a threat on the ground, of course, scored seven rushing touchdowns last season. Shocking. Yes. Six of those seven came after Derrick Henry went down with a broken foot. Yeah, that says a lot. Uh, Henry should be back, ready to go week one. And and you know who else is a threat on the ground outside of Derrick Henry? Malik Willis, who is not going to challenge him, Tannehill, right away. Mm -hmm. But they get off to a slow start. They kind of probably have similar skill sets. And if... You know the Titans; are, they're no lock to take that division down. I think the Colts are the heavy favorite, and I think Jacksonville's going to be much improved. And
3: my worry is, what if they bring in Malik Willis at the stripe, like you know, like right. the Saints did, yeah, uh,
0: or even what the with Raiders Bill, did with Marcus possible. Mariota? Took some touchdown opportunities mm-hmm. from Derek Carr, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's very plausible. So yeah, Tannehill's ADP has slid as a result of all those things.
3: The last quarterback loser. Is Justin Fields Chicago might be the worst team in the league this year. I think it's. I think there's a possibility that they just bottom out right here. That this is this is going to be the bottom for them. If if not the Ravens, who I said earlier have the thinnest set of receivers, then it's probably Chicago. Yeah. Um. You've got Darnell Mooney in his third year. He's got 142 career receptions, which, granted, is more than all of the Ravens' receivers combined. <laughs> I guess that makes him an aged veteran here. But after Mooney, it's all third tier castoffs and long shots. Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, Equinemius, St. Brown, and the, and then...
0: Old the, man, Velas Jones. Rookie, yeah, right.
3: Rookie old man. R- rookie old man. <laughs> universally decried rookie draft pick, Velas Jones.
0: I had never even heard of the guy until he was drafted. And Unfolded. I thought I knew... Everything you need to know, at least about right. rookies getting drafted in the well, first it's, five rounds. because he
3: went he went about five
0: rounds too early. Yeah, which would have put him out of the draft. any any round was a round too early. Um, offensive line was
3: bad last year, and they just didn't off didn't bring oh. in a lot of help. They they picked up Green Bay's backup center Patrick Lucas, but then they had a Dakota Dozier, two sixth round picks, and a seventh round pick. That's it. I mean, nothing. They, they helped. They put no help around Justin Fields at all. They've taken sort of like the opposite approach of the Jets, who have done like everything possible to put Zach Wilson in a position to succeed. The bears seem to be doing the exact opposite for Justin Fields, despite the heavy price they paid to get him last year. Let's go to the running back position, Brian. All right. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight running back losers to get through. A lot of losers. Oh, man. In
0: the, we'll we'll be quick through these. They're somewhat obvious. Uh, I think
3: I think some are. Uh Javante Williams for a while was looking like one of the biggest winners of the offseason. Yep. And then after um, not signing for over a month, they Melvin Gordon comes back, yeah. so right back to last year.
0: Earlier in the winter, everyone was under the presumption that uh, Melvin Gordon was going to be gone and Williams was going to be a bell cow. He was going late first round in ball drafts. Now he's going late second, early third because Gordon is yep. back. And they both averaged 15.1 opportunities, targets plus carries per game last year. And it's probably going to be the same old story this year. And it's a shame.
3: Javante Williams this week said it was going to be the same yeah. old story. He said he expects, the, he expects the exact same thing as last year. Yeah,
0: uh, Williams and Gordon combined for 2,350 combo yards and 17 total touchdowns last year. And that was supposed to be all Williams this year. And that was with a the, they were facing numerous stacked boxes with Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback. Yeah, right, Russell right. Wilson is going to open things up. Yep. But we're looking at a platoon here. So, yeah, Williams, uh, fortunately, we're going to have to wait at least one more season for full-on bell cow Javante Williams, unless Gordon gets injured.
3: The next next running back loser is something that some will disagree with. He's currently going off the board at running back fourteen in the third round, and that's Leonard Fournette. Tampa Bay loses Ronald Jones, but in, and we're going to in my mind that's no loss. I mean, yeah. Ronald Jones is a total non-factor here, but incoming rookie Rashad White is very promising, and he's got the do-everything skill set that fits very well with Tampa, and he can do what most and many of the same things that Leonard Fournette can. And, you know, Fournette was the only game in town last year, but, you know, White could really turn this into a one-two punch potentially, and Tampa has shown a willingness to use rookies extensively. Look at Antoine Winfield, uh, Tristan Wirfs, Devin White as recent examples. Now, those are all I uh, I think they're all first rounders. I think even Winfield was a first rounder uh, or early second rounder. Uh, But, you know, they drafted White in a position of real equity in the draft. And I I think he's going to be a factor here much more than Ronald Jones has been. And I think he's going to chisel away into some of Leonard Fournette's usage. And I will continue to maintain Leonard Fournette just isn't that special of a runner. I just, I just, I think he's just just a guy, yeah. it, but Tom he was Brady, getting twenty five. Tom Brady touches a game, him. and that, that yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. And he, you know, he was the starting running back and really the only game in town in a Tom Brady led offense. Um, so he still has real value, but I do think White is a is a bit of a factor. Let's go to Seattle. Rashad Penny throughout his entire career has been has it's all been injury plagued and underperforming until December of last year. Yeah, when he uh, went berserk down the stretch.
0: And if you listen to Fantasy Football Weekly, as I'm assuming everyone hearing this podcast does. You got the Peacock button bar, because I told you to add Rashad Penny before his the Houston game when he went off. No, not that one. We're going to need that one later, though. Bookmark the sad Tromboski uh, bar. But yeah, Penny closed the season very strong, was uh, arguably a league winner. He had the most yards per carry of all running backs at 6.3 uh, in 2021. Nick Chubb was second with five and a half. He was second and uh, yards created per attempt among running backs uh, who had at least 100 rushing attempts. Rashad Penny, that is. He looked great, but uh, like you said, Kenneth Walker in town now, you yep. have to assume he's going to eat into 40, 50% of those touches. The, the down, the loss of Russell Wilson mm-hmm. is also going to hurt Rashad Penny. He, they're going to be facing those stacked boxes that the Broncos yeah. were facing <laughs> right, right. <laughs> last year. So, yeah, Rashad Penny, he, he's, he, people were drafting him assuming he was going to be RB1, but he didn't dodge the, the landmines on... Uh, on draft day, and he, he stepped on one of the biggest ones in Kenneth Walker, so...
3: So he's RB35 right now. I think that's too high. I just don't, I don't trust Penny. And I... Sure, I like what I saw at the end of last year. Don't trust that offense, and they put massive draft... A team that needed help everywhere put massive draft equity into the running back position right up against Penny.
0: Yeah. You, and argue, you, can, you can't argue that they don't trust him to stay healthy, because he hasn't. Yeah. We, we hope he does, but... See what happens.
3: Going two picks before Rashad Penny at running back 33, Chase Edmonds in Miami. He's locked into the NFL's ugliest committee, Brian, with Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, Salvon Ahmed, and now Chase Edmonds. Edmonds going off the board at 33. This thing's way dicier than Rashad Penny, even. Any of these guys could get carries at any moment right here. And what's more, Chase Edmonds has played 57 career games. You know how many goal line carries he's had inside the five yard line in 57 games? I know it's
0: not a lot. Two? Six. Six.
3: Six in 57 games. So one out of every nine and a half games, he gets a try from inside the five, nine and a half games. He just doesn't score touchdowns. I think this is one of the worst buys. Out there, even a pick pick thirty three shouldn't at running back thirty three round eight shouldn't be that important. But
0: you could do so much better. Yeah, I remember last year Miami. You are like, oh, this is a Miles Gaskin game, and then it was Salvin Ahmed. Then sometimes yeah, right. like, oh, it's a Salvin Ahmed exactly. game.
1: Yeah, right. Then Duke Johnson right,
0: goes off, right? right. <laughs> and now it's even worse. So yeah, I am totally with you. There. I would, if I had to pick one guy from this
3: this uh, rotation in Miami, and I wouldn't. Um, at least I am not likely to. It'd be Raheem Mostert because he goes off the board. Five rounds later, run at round thirteen, yeah. and he's got the history with Mike McDaniel, and we've seen where he Mostert, when healthy, he can be a special back. So I would draft Mostert, ride him until he inevitably gets hurt because he always does, and then move on. I'm with you. Our next loser, running back, <laughs> not loser in life, no. just off season loser, Devin Singletary, going off the board at running back, twenty eight round seven and a half,
0: eight. Yeah. Another running back who powered uh, fantasy teams to victory late in the season last year, six total touchdowns from weeks, 15 through 18, uh, also posted decent receiving numbers during that stretch and into the playoffs. But here comes James cook who had one drop on 74 career targets at Georgia. Mm. Buffalo was Buffalo has also signed Duke Johnson, who, if he makes the team, uh, He's going to be a third down option as well, meaning Singletary never sees a third down snap ever again, most likely. Yeah. Now, that's <laughs> hyperbole, of course, but it's not looking good for his uh, bell cow usage that we saw late in 2021, and yeah, that's the bottom line. We're just looking at, you know, first down, second down work, and yeah. of course, Josh Allen near the stripe. They probably don't want to keep running him at the stripe, but he will just because he's Josh Allen. And- yeah. No one can stop him, and people can stop Devin Singletary. So, yeah, another guy, ADP is going, slid big
3: time. The next running back offseason loser, Antonio Gibson, currently going up the board, I think, way too high. Running back 13, round three. Ron Rivera says he's planning to integrate rookie Brian Robinson into the backfield with a significant role, and this week called it a one-two punch and likened his backfield to the days of Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. That would be bad for Antonio Gibson and mm-hmm. Robinson is built for goal line carries. He's a bigger, more of a power back and that could impact Gibson's fantasy fortune significantly in a touch and a reduced touchdown total here. Gibson last year, they had 17 carries inside the five, which is a lot turned it into just six touchdowns.
0: And of course, JD McKissick is going to see a that, ton yeah, of third, third down work. Yep.
3: Great point. Uh, Michael Carter, massive off season loser here.
0: Yep. Uh, We all know uh, Jets drafted Brees Hall, the top uh, running back taken in the last April's draft. Uh, Carter missed five games due to injury last year, so he hasn't proved to be fully durable either. And when he was given those several bell cow opportunities, he just looked kind of like a guy. Mm -hmm. And really, his good games came with Mike White at quarterback. They were leaning on just, you know, dumping off the ball to Carter uh, out of the backfield. So yeah, Michael Carter, he was someone you would hope the Jets weren't going to take a big name running back, but they took the biggest name running back. So (laughs) they did big Owie for Michael Carter.
3: I want to be clear that everybody loves Austin Eckler. We love him as a player. We love the fact that he overtly plays fantasy football, Mm -hmm. loves fantasy football. We've been touting him on this show for three years. And then the, the payoff finally hit big time last year with his 20 touchdown season. His ADP is pick two. And it's only relative to that ADP that I discuss Austin Eckler here. In his 5 NFL seasons, Eckler's been a workhorse back one time, and only one, and it was last year when he roughly doubled his normal rushing attempt usage, um while maintaining his effectiveness through the air. But Eckler could easily lose touches to fourth-round pick Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. Spiller was projected as a day 2 second-round pick but slumped to the fourth round mostly because he ran a 4 6 at his pro day. But if you watch the tape, the kid can run, and he's a good player. And the fact that they put even fourth-round equity tells me that they must like Spiller at least some. And they let uh, Justin Jackson go. I think that's another sign as well. And I just fear that Eckler's workload is going to get cut into more significantly this year than it did last year when nobody else could be effective. Remember, Joe Lombardi only gave Alvin. He's the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Only gave Alvin Kamara between 171 and 194 carries when he was the starter in New Orleans. One, you know, 171 to 194. That would represent about a 30-ish carry regression for Eckler if he drops yeah. down to Kamara levels. And while that isn't that doesn't torpedo his his value by any means, I just it's not the end of the world. But it's not necessarily what you want from the second overall pick.
0: No, and, uh, you know, L.A., the L.A. Chargers, both L.A. teams with the Chargers, of course, in this case, they expect to make a long or a deep playoff push this year. And they, they should. Might so wanna, they might want to keep them keep keep yeah, keep 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 a little fresh fresher
3: than they, did, uh, than they did last year. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the offseason losers at wide receiver. Segment two, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson with you. As we look at the wide receivers to whom bad things happened in the offseason, we begin in Detroit, where bad things happen.
0: Yeah, uh, Um, Anra St. Brown. Great things were happening for him from weeks 13 through 18. Target totals of 12, 12, 11, 11, (laughs) 11, (laughs) and 10. That's nuts. He had at least eight catches in every game during that stretch, totaling six touchdowns, even ran one in. He he was another league winner. Uh, We've mentioned a few of those, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to be tough for him to repeat uh, those performances because uh, he fell into the fortune of many vacated targets. Uh, TJ Hawkinson missed weeks 14 through 18. Uh, Deandre Swift was out weeks 12 through 16. Those two players should be healthy to start the season. And Detroit also brought in DJ Chark drafted Jamison Williams 12th overall. I just, mm. he's just going to need to be the only show in town like he was at the end of last year. So, and he probably won't be. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I'm not buying in. And I know his ADP has dropped too over the last few months, but even where it's at now, it's just, it seems a little too high for me. I, I don't know. He seemed he's a great player, but he's just not going to see those opportunities. It doesn't seem like. From the same draft class, Jalen
3: Waddle, offseason loser, because obviously Tyreek Hill showed yeah. up. And, you know, I loved Waddle's rookie season, an unqualified success. But like Amon Ross St. Brown, he benefited from a dearth of other quality receiving options in Miami. Now here comes Tyreek Hill, who's averaged a whopping nine targets per game.
2: Nine times.
3: Nine, nine targets times. per game over the past two years. And Miami just invested a first round, second round, and I think it was a fourth round pick and $120 million in Tyreek Hill. So those nine targets per game are going to hold up because they're highly incentivized to make sure that those nine targets per game hold up for Tyreek Hill. Yes, Devontae Parker is gone, and that helps a little, but Cedric Wilson's got an absurd $23 million deal, and he'll likely slot into that spot and get similar usage to Parker. Um, The good news for Waddle, by the way, is both Hill and Wilson have a history of running from the slot, and Waddle's effectiveness was far better outside, and he will be predominantly an outside receiver yeah. this year.
0: And won't see a ton of double coverage like he most likely did last year, too. You'd assume not. You would
3: assume. Tyreek Hill should be drawing most of that himself. So I don't I'd put Waddle as a modest, a modest offseason loser, not yeah, a major I'll offseason loser. What are your thoughts on an, another player that helped power people to championships in unheralded fashion, Hunter Renfro?
0: Yeah, Hunter Renfro is an enigma. He looks like a banker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when given the opportunity, just an absolute beast. And speaking of opportunities, 128 targets last year. He was fifth in red zone targets among all players with 23. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? Uh, and, of course, things fill in his favor to get those targets. Henry Ruggs goes to prison. Darren Waller is hurt. Yeah. So yeah, they, they had to lean on Renfro, but Waller should be healthy come week one. And oh yeah, if you haven't heard Devonte Adams yeah, is now is a Raider, 165 <laughs> targets from last year has proven to be pretty good yeah. when targeted in the red zone too, Ugh. even from the one yard line. I'm uh, going to talk about that in a few minutes. So yeah, Hunter Renfro, another guy is ADP PS slid <laughs> since uh, the draft and trading and off season signings, all that stuff. Uh, but still a great player. I'm excited to watch this offense as a whole, but when you're speaking about him individually, I would not expect a repeat performance in those numbers from last year.
3: Another secondary receiver that may have a step back, Devonta Smith, because A.J. Brown is the new alpha receiver for the Eagles, and I don't think it's clear that Jalen Hurts is a good enough passer to feed two receivers in addition to Dallas Goddard. So you mean A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard are 1A and 1B, right? And then where does that leave Smith? You know, and... The other thing that worries me about Smith is he's just so small. He's so skinny. He's not going to get goal line looks. You feel like he needs big, explosive plays to get things done. And I just don't, I worry about him being very inconsistent in year two. And he was pretty inconsistent in year one as well. Um, And the last thing I'll mention the Eagles were a far better team in the second half of last year when they were running the ball constantly. I wonder if they're going to have the same run-heavy emphasis this year.
0: And a much-improved defense, too, in Philly as well. Yeah, so sure they might not need way, to be uh, chasing mm-hmm. points like they have been in the past.
3: Speaking of chasing, mm-hmm. let's segue to Chase Claypool.
0: Yeah, brutal uh, sophomore slump for Claypool last year. And, and now this has nothing to do with Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. No. Oh. Uh, whether it's whether sad it's tromboneski. Or rookie quarterback, baby hands, Kenny Pickett. Both are an upgrade (laughs) over Roethlisberger, but uh, Claypool needs to be looking over his shoulder at uh, rookie wide receiver George Pickens taking 52nd overall. Might have been the first wide receiver to take in, uh, in this draft, if not for tearing his ACL in the spring of yeah. 2021 he did and play char-
3: and some character pretty yeah. legitimate sounding character concerns
0: but he didn't uh, come back to play in Georgia's final four games including the championship so he should be pretty much a, a full go uh come week one for pittsburgh so yeah chase claypool he, he this is uh time to put up or shut up but uh he's really just a guy i, I would rather wait a couple rounds later and take Pickens over claypool because i'm just so
3: he's going off the board at wide receiver 40 in round 10 I'm actually intrigued by Claypool at yeah. that point because of the upgraded quarterback and Juju Smith Schuster being gone. Pickens may need time to acclimate, and it's the third year for Claypool. I want to think he's going to mature and get it, bring it all together here. At round 10, I'm actually kind of interested in Claypool. But in t- uh,
0: 2020, he had nine touchdowns, I believe, and mm-hmm. he was the red zone guy yeah. for Pittsburgh. Then Pat Fryermuth comes into town last year. Point. He's the, the, the red point. zone guy. George yeah. Pickens, 16, he's not as muscular as Claypool. No one really is, but Pickens has good size, six, three, six, four. So could be wrong here, but uh, still the, the addition of Pickens hurts a little bit. You would have liked to see a little more trust and yeah. also Calvin Austin, but he's kind of more of a, a slot guy who's drafted a little later than Pickens, but your next Claypool one, could be huge value. Like you said,
3: your next wide receiver loser is Elijah Moore from the jets. Wide receiver yeah. 31 off the board round eight, you may recall last year, he had a very lackluster start to his rookie year, and then he had a terrific middle of the season. Then he suffered hip, groin, quad injuries, and then got COVID. And that, was, that ended up, that all that together basically ended his season. So Elijah Moore is now going to have to share time with another fast, explosive downfield receiver and a bigger, taller one, Garrett Wilson. And some worry me. That Wilson's bigger size is going to make him a better downfield target and a better goal line target than Elijah Moore. And that Elijah Moore is going to start getting more balls underneath and shorter stuff and try to let him do some of the electric things that he can do after the catch. But um, I, I I would prefer to have the ball going downfield to my receivers, and I'm nervous that Garris, Garrett Wilson's going to take some of that.
0: And Braxton Barrios also Berrios. stole a lot yeah. of targets late in the season, and they brought him back to a yeah, pretty did. sizable or significant contract extension. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's go to the
3: tight end. We've got two and a half tight ends to talk through. Let's start with a... Loser that I don't think we expected. Mike Kosicki, currently going off the board is tight end 11, round 11.
0: Yeah, and he's a loser for the same reasons that really um, Jalen Waddle's yeah. a, a loser because Kosicki is a tight end who's not really a tight end. He's a wide receiver. He ran 92% of his routes from the slot or <laughs> out wide. So really for all the reasons yeah. <laughs> that you mentioned for Jalen Waddle is why Mike yeah. is a loser. And he's going for... Uh, Guys, I know we were kind of poo-pooing on the Bears. We called Cole Komet a winner last week. and Numerous tight ends going after Gasicki where I'd rather take these guys because I just don't see a ton of opportunities for Gasicki this year like you saw last year.
3: Similar story for Darren Waller, really, because we've already talked through Hunter Renf- Renfro and the effect of Devontae Adams who's always been a target hog. He's averaged 153 targets per season over the last four years. And that probably doesn't change here, given what uh, the Raiders had to give up to get Adams. And then you've also got Hunter Renfro, though, who's established himself last year as a totally legitimate and basically an alpha receiver. And like Waller, Renfro works over the middle of the field that doesn't help Waller,
0: no, and the twenty-three red zone targets too. He's very effective right. exactly. in the red zone. Exactly was,
3: um, and at, here's the other thing: is Adams is an elite goal line threat. He has the most touchdowns from inside the five yard line of any receiver over the last two years. He's got one more than Adam Thielen, although Thielen's uh, has uh, you know it's like six, seven fewer games played over the last two years. Uh, still. Um, there's a lot of things working against Darren Waller here currently going up the board at tight end five in round four. I, you know, me, Brian, I love, I feel very strongly about trying to get one of the high end tight ends. I think Waller's just going to have some games where he just doesn't get the ball. There's just only so much ball to go around and Adams and Renfro are going to get fed and including near the stripe. And I'm nervous about Waller having inconsistent production.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's, Waller is pretty much tight end four now after Pitts, uh, Andrews, Kelsey. And then Kittle kind of right after him. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. But then our guy, Dallas Goddard, or at least my guy, a couple rounds later, maybe like three rounds later than Waller. I would kind of rather wait yeah. and grab Goddard than take Waller in the late third, fourth round. fourth round. Yeah. Uh,
3: then let's talk about tight end 31 going off the board in round
0: 26. Who is it, Brian? Dan Arnold, who was going, (laughs) he was getting drafted within the the first 18 rounds uh, as tight end, at least like 24. I mean, he was a great backup tight end before. Jacksonville traded for Evan Engram. Now, Dan Arnold could be traded and I, I kind of hope he is. He's uh,
3: always traded
0: Dan Arnold. Uh, he's guaranteed. They're not going to cut him. They can't cut him. He's guaranteed too much money uh, by Jacksonville, but uh, Arnold kind of in the, the mold of Gesicki ran roughly 75% of his routes from the slaughter outside. He's kind of mm-hmm. more of a wide receiver, uh, but so is Evan Engram uh, who again, Jacksonville signed in the offseason. season um, and presumably Engram will be the tight end one for Jacksonville. That said, Engram has 21 career drops. Most by a tight end <laughs> since 2017, also known to get injured. So I'm not, I'm not fully convinced that Engram like, is the guy tight end for Jacksonville. Uh, so I'm not out entirely on Arnold. And, and new head coach, Doug Peterson, uh, for Jacksonville, who previously coached the Eagles, has done some damage with two mm-hmm. tight ends in the past, Dallas Goddard, Zachard. So, yeah, Arnold was really getting drafted as a tight end, too, in every draft I was in. But since they signed Ingram, he's really not getting drafted right now, unfortunately.
3: How much does a speeding ticket cost you these days in the I, state of myself? I, I don't. I'm glad I'm not going to find know. out. I bet it's for a 73 and a 55 or a 60. I think it was saying it's a 60. 60 where you were. 73 and a 60. I bet you that's a 80 dollar ticket.
0: Really? I would be. I would guess like 200.
3: I think that. Well, I think that's because D- you're does I inflation. In you, I, I think you ticketing? have to be like 20 over to get into the 200 range is my guess. Not positive about that. I still but in so the board. fact that you only got a warning in a in an in essence you made $83 on your way here. Oh <laughs> yeah, I should go buy 83 lottery tickets <laughs> after this. They're 2 bucks each now. Okay, so 41 and yeah. a half. There you go. 41 and a half lottery tickets. Uh thank you for listening to the uh this edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. We'll be back next week for more. I Not positive what the topic is next week. I don't remember. I I know Uh, Scott Fish has
0: pretty much penciled himself himself in, in. so I'm sure some some Scott Fish Bowl talk will be on Yeah, they're
3: probably going to be true. And uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about uh, Guillotine Leagues, which should have launched at that point. So we'll we'll get into the uh, 2022 Guillotine League season as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Back in one week.